Well, here we are with another post-GA episode of the Presbyterian and Reformed Churchmen. I have ruling elder Bob Mattis with me. Uh, Bob, thank you for being with me and, and uh, for this conversation. It's an honor and a pleasure. So why don't you why don't you introduce yourself to us, Bob? I know you're in my home my uh, my home state of Florida, but uh, but I, I was from South Florida, so that's I know you're not down there. But uh, tell us who you are, how long you've been in the PCA, how long you've been a ruling elder, uh, what you do for a living, and a little bit about your family. Um, okay, uh, Bob Mattis. I go by Tanker Bob in the flying world. Uh, as an Air, <laughs> Air Force officer, uh, pilot, engineer acquisition, bunch of other stuff. Couldn't hold a job. Uh, retired from the Air Force in 2008. Originally from Philly. Yay, Eagles. Uh, <laughs> the next Super Bowl champions. Okay. Uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, so I've been a ruling elder since 1986. Do the math on that. Been in a PCA. I don't actually have an exact date for that. I tried to think about that the other day. I was in my second tour at Edwards, so it'd probably be the early 90s, mid-90s, something like that. Uh, it was uh, actually was here in Florida before uh, when I was stationed at Patrick. I was at, uh, I was actually uh, met Dominic Aquila when he gave the opening sermon for the particularization of New Life uh, Church of Brevard, and uh, unfortunately they no longer exists, so I'm, I'm now with, uh, when I came back, I, I realized they weren't here anymore. Uh, but I was, oh. God was gracious, and he's brought Northside Presbyterian, and, uh, and they're a great church. Uh, I really enjoy being a member there. Uh, let's see, what else? Oh, Air Force, yeah, so I was Air Force for 30 years. Uh, flew all kinds of airplanes, mainly big airplanes, four-engine uh, KC-135s, which are actually Boeing 707s. The original, before the Boeing 707 was, the KC-135 was. Oh. Uh, people don't usually get that right. Uh, and then I actually flew 707s, and I flew a smattering of others. I was in the test business for a while, so I flew F-16s and helicopters, and small air jets, all kinds of stuff. Uh, it was kind of fun. Wow. I mean, that's pretty elite. I've never, I would never have guessed. That's amazing. So, I, so the, the new Top Gun movie, was that... <laughs> no? It was, it was entertaining, yes. Okay. Uh, you know, F-18s, that's a, that's a Navy jet. There's a funny, actually, there's a funny story with that, why they use the F-18, because f 18 is not the line, it is a line fighter, but it's not the state-of-the-art fighter, right? The F-35 is what the Navy has now for mm-hmm. state-of-the-art. The catch is that F-35s are only made with a single seat. There are no two-seat F-35s. Oh. And so they couldn't put, they weren't going to let them go off alone, and they were they couldn't put them in the back seat of one, so they had to make up a story as to why they're not using the F-35. And very, probably most people didn't even notice. The beginning, they said, well, we had these F-18s because, you know, there's, there's this GPS thing. We can't take the F-35s. <laughs> and I'm like, what? They had to make up a story for Tom had to make up a story. But, but other than that, it was, it was exciting. I enjoyed the movie. Don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed the movie. Um, and I, I could say more about it, but I'm not going to. Okay. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, he does a good job. I, you know, I whatever Tom Cruise's theological views are, which are very strange, but uh, he, he when he goes into an acting role, he works very hard at it. I know when he did the uh, Jack Reacher. I don't know if you ever read Jack Reacher books or something. No. Jack Reacher is this like six foot four gigantic guy. So, in fact, if you watch the TV series, it's more like that guy. You know, right. people don't want to mess with him. Well, you know, 
cruises like you know knee high to a grasshopper uh, but he worked really hard and like the martial arts stuff and the weapons stuff is pretty authentic in what it looks like because he practiced this like kevin uh uh no uh yeah what's his name uh cano the guy that does the uh john wick movies uh keanu reeves yeah keanu reeves yeah he uh he does a lot in fact he now he's a, he uh he shoots matches three gun matches uh but he studied weapons extensively you don't see nothing you see in those movies that i noticed anyway is inauthentic you know he reloads regularly does speed uh does tactical reloads he just does a great job in those movies anyway so that wasn't why he wanted to interview me anyway no but that's interesting <laughs> stuff that's just, yeah both those guys have had a renaissance in their careers it's uh anyway yeah so your family uh yeah married to uh janet uh she was a uh, former army and uh, then uh, civilian law enforcement for like 12 years and then uh, put herself through night school while she was still working and uh, got her degree, business degree, and ended up, or actually got a programming degree, software anyway. And she programmed software for a while and then uh, transitioned over. Now she's a uh, program manager for an IT company. But uh, really a lot of hard work in her life to get, get where she's at. Very successful at it. So. All right. And how long have you been retired from the Air Force? I retired from the Air Force in 2008. Oh, quite some time. So what are you doing in your, in you, your goal? You say it's like, quite some time. It doesn't seem like that long ago. Well, I mean, it's, what's that, 15 years? I mean. Yeah, I could have gone all day without hearing that, yeah. Okay, sorry. Well, I, I wouldn't have guessed. So what, what are you doing with your time? Um, so I now have a uh, – I, I, I first retired. I went to work, believe it or not, for the Army for about six or seven months. Uh, doing live fire stuff and learned a lot. And one of the things I learned is I can't work for the army because they're just <laughs> inscrutable. <laughs> just they're just. I, it would take longer than this podcast to explain what why I can't work for the army. You sound like an Air Force guy. <laughs> I am an Air Force guy. So I went back to uh, then. So I went back as a seat uh, of contractor now, and I oversee flight test programs for the Department of Defense. I was overseeing some small arms programs, but the army kind of pulled out of letting us help them there because. We are too much help, I guess. I don't know. It's one of the ways I always start meetings. When I introduce myself in a meeting. Oh, hey, I'm Tanker Bob. I'm from OSD, and I'm here to help. What, what, what's Tanker Bob? Explain that to us. So I tankers with KC-135. So that was my first it weapon is. system when I was a pilot. Actually, my first when I first came in the Air Force, I was an engineer for three years, research engineer. And then I went to pilot training late, so I was what they call late-rated. Anyway, we were sitting around. I was at Edwards, Edwards Air Force Base, which is the Air Force Flight Test Center. And we were waiting to refuel the B-2. But, you know, new airplanes are always late, right, because always, there's always problems with them and stuff. So we had a sign over my boss's office. It was B-2 not ready room. And because they have, have ready rooms in the Navy, you know, put signs over that ready room. Anyway, so B-2 not ready room. <laughs> We're sitting in my boss's office. His name was Narco, Raylor Tarleski. And uh, great guy. So we're, we're sitting there just waiting for the B-2. And this guy comes in, and he's asking all kinds of questions about testing and narco's behind his desk so he's talking to narco and i'm sitting over on the couch just listening to this whole thing and finally narco goes just stop stop said see a guy on the couch he's our tank air expert he knows everything about uh, air refueling testing in fact that's why we call him tanker bob <laughs> until that minute nobody had ever called me tanker bob <laughs> but uh, it's stuck and it's been that way ever since and i'll tell you there's much worse things to be called than tanker bob so i kept it all right. Yeah, I think it's cool, and it, it, it does fit you. So do you do you still get to fly? Obviously uh, sad, not for the military. But. Sadly, no. I try and scam my way on the rides, but I, I have yet to succeed. So not, I mean, not even just as a hobby? As a... The thing about flying is you have to stay proficient. 
right? Yeah. So it's not something I want to take lightly. And uh, between my job and church and uh, getting the house ready and all this stuff, I, I just haven't had time. And so until I can retire for real, uh, then I still have the time to stay proficient. I don't want to go out and be the next dangerous person in the year. I used to be in a Civil Air Patrol when I was growing up and in college, and I used to pick people who thought they were proficient off the sides of mountains. So I don't, I don't want to be one oh, of man. the objects of that. <laughs> All right. So, okay, so how, how long have you been a ruling elder? Uh, ruling elder since 86, and then the PCA, like I said, probably around 94, 95. Um, so what, 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 which denomination were you in before that? Uh, sadly, I have to say PCUSA. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, I seen, well, I was raised Catholic, so you know, yeah. even that was a step in the right direction. But, uh, but yeah, I, actually, I, it was actually the reimagining conference. If anybody knows what that was, was my final. I was, I was one of those people that thought if I stayed, you know, I could help change it back to to being conservative. I was totally naive, and the reimagining conference, in a in a sentence, was a feminist conference that substituted milk and honey for the Lord's Supper, and uh, talked about the offense of the cross because it's so bloody nobody would ever do that kind of thing. Oof. And I was like, oh, I've had enough of that. And one of my friends, one of my fellow, I was an op- operations officer at Edwards at the time, and one of my friends was an operations officer over in the B two squadron, and he's like, well, you know, you could you could. Uh, come over to to the PCA. I'm like, well, what's a PCA? And he's like, well, you know, like D. James Kennedy. And I was like, D. James Kennedy's PCA. I had no idea. I've 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 met D. James Kennedy. I've been listening to his ministry, support his ministry for like a decade, and didn't know what denomination he was in. No. And so I was like, oh, I have to try that. And uh, so I actually joined Coral Ridge because I was out in the desert somewhere. And I didn't have a PCA church near me, so I joined Coral Ridge. And they were nice enough to interview me remotely and everything. Back this is back in the nineties. Wow. And, uh, and so they were very gracious. And then, then when I got close enough to, uh, well, let's see, when I came to Florida after that, actually, that was my next assignment was Florida. I came here, and then that's when I got into new life, and the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Coral Ridge was the closest PCA church to the PCA church. I was in St. Andrew's uh, PCA in Hollywood, Florida, so definitely know Coral Ridge cool. uh, very well. I, that's fascinating, though the the PC USA because I I know you kind of say that and you you, you <laughs> kind of shrink down, but the truth is, and I and I've known this. Not I mean not all, particularly back then, uh, had gone liberal, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean even even up to a dozen, man, maybe fifteen years ago, I remember talking to somebody. Said, "Why are you still? Why are you PC USA? Like you're cons-? It was like, well, our whole church is conservative. So I think there's just there's been these straggler holdouts that they like you said they thought they could change it and. Obviously, right now, I, I can't imagine there even being one PCUSA yeah. church that anybody would want to be a part of. So, might be a straggler somewhere. Actually, our church was pretty conservative. Uh, in fact, when the and this this is how you know this is how you tell progressive right when we have a, after the reimagining conference, people were in an uproar. The conservative people, anyway, and so they they elected a guy from a mission church to be the moderator, and uh, then they sent him around the country to to make the pitch people stopped giving that's what got their attention was people just stopped giving to louisville right and so well yeah they, they, they could stand anything but lack of money so i said well we got to send this guy around he's from alaska or something and he came to our church and it was the pastor's wife just grilled him and i hadn't even heard of reimagining until that point and she grilled this guy and i'm like oh, i'm gonna have to look into this so i actually sent away for packets sent away the packet to a concern 
Presbyterians or Concerned Churchmen. I forget what the name of the group was, but it was the conservative arm. And I sent to the Women's Committee and said, okay, well, let, let's see what everybody has to say. And actually, the most condemning package was the Women's Committee's own package. It mm. laid out what they did. And I'm like, that's pure heresy. So I, that was it. <laughs> I had enough. There you go. Uh, well, thank God for that. Okay, so here, here's a question that I've been wanting to ask, and I, I didn't even talk to you about this, but why is your picture only, like, it changes. <laughs> so do you know Rich Lino or something? I mean, what's the... I right, so, so for our listeners, there's a, a PCA, Teaching Elder and Ruling Elder, forum on Facebook. It's not secret. It's just private to officers, uh, elders in, in the PCA. And, and Bob's picture is always the picture on there. And it's it changes. I've seen three iterations of it. And there's always a very interesting shirt involved. I don't know if that's part of the thing. So what is the story there? So it actually started with Andy Webb, who started that page. Oh, that's uh, for Andy, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Andy, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, unfortunately yeah, providentially, he's yeah. in the ARP now. And that's yep. why Rich took the page over. Uh, so I, originally it was... My my thing was I don't I don't like boring. Yeah, you know, I I don't, I don't know. I just I don't. I like never boring. would have guessed. I never. Well, I know that's a shock to everybody. You know. So, uh, I used to, my thing was I always wore you know it's a jacket or a suit or something, and I had Rush Limbaugh ties. Which if you know anything about Rush Limbaugh ties, they're they're on black silk and they're bright colors. So the black really accentuates the colors, and they're just they glow in the dark practically. But they're they're beautifully designed, and I've got. Thanks to a friend of mine, I have like 15 of them. So that was the first thing that went up there the first time was me and my Rush Limbaugh tie. And then uh, for some reason, somebody couldn't resist. The one year that I wore uh, Hawaiian shirts on the assembly floor, somebody got a picture of that and stuck it up there. And I was a little heavier then. And so, uh, you know, I, 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 thought, I thought the picture so. was okay, but yeah, it's a little, little wider. So I was like, well... So this year, of course, uh, with the, uh, uh, shall we call it the humorous dust-up with the moderator, uh, <laughs> somebody caught me in mid-expression, which is, was perfect. So that's the third picture that's up there. So I like this one a little better because I have a Guaya Bar shirt on. It's a little more, you know, in, in the Latin world, it's, it's actually a summary formal shirt. Um, so I, I actually, that day, the day they took that picture, I was supposed to wear my Godzilla Hawaiian shirt, and I brought it with me, and I told people, they, everybody, the whole time I was there, I must have had a half a dozen. No, I take that. Back. I had a dozen people come up to me, wandering around the uh, the uh, vendor area, and say, "Bob, where's your shirt? Bob, what's with your shirt?" Where's? I was like, "Okay, I'll wear it Thursday." Well, I I got cold feet Thursday morning. I said, "No, you know what? Today's a big debate day. I want a little credibility, so I'm gonna I'm gonna wear another quiet bar shirt." So I did. Yeah. Uh, but I did. I didn't comment but, about the Godzilla shirt in my. I know. <laughs> I know. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna play that in a, in a second. Uh, it is funny how how there's these there's certain certain people in the PCA are known for their outfits. So you're obviously known for your Hawaiian shirts. Um, you know, there's there's the guys in the seersucker uh, suits. There's the the Presbyterian the PCA uniform of the khaki pants with the <laughs> blue. There's um, Todd Pruitt in his cargo shorts. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a whole thing. <laughs> so the dust up. So uh, you had this interaction with with Fred Greco, and I'm going to put it in here uh, for our, for our listeners, and and we'll talk about it. Thank you, sirs, fathers, and brothers. Rejoice! We are five minutes ahead of schedule. 
All right, so we are now still in the motion in gross. The numbers are before you. I've repeated them several times. I think we're all in agreement. The record keepers have it. The chairman agrees with me. Microphone three, to what purpose do you rise? A point, of, point of clarification, Mr. Moderator. How about a point of inquiry? Sure, why not? <laughs> well, and a copy of Roberts. I'm sorry. I love, I love ruling Elder Madison. I just had to tease him a little bit. It's okay. I didn't wear my Godzilla shirt today, so we're in good shape. Uh, Bob Mattis, uh, Central Florida Presbytery. You just said that if we answer, if the committee answers in the affirmative and the body answers in the negative, then it gets recommitted. That's, I think you misspoke. No, no, I didn't, sir, because let me understand this. The motion before you is the committee's recommendation. The body can reject that recommendation. If it does, it is recommitted to the committee. Only if, it's, only if the committee recommended uh, negative. If oh, they recommend positive and we say negative, I, I'm sorry, sir. You are correct, and I am wrong. If the... <laughs> no. Amen and amen. Okay. So if the, if the committee has recommended answering in the affirmative and the floor rejects that recommendation, it is deemed answered in the negative. Ruling Elder Mattis is correct. However, if the committee recommends answering either in the negative or by referring it back to the presbytery and that recommendation is rejected, that is what is recommitted back to the Overseers Committee. Thank you for that clarification. I would not want to lead us astray. And so what I found funny about about that whole, like you called it, the dust up was Fred Greco, our moderator, was just at that point, I think it was Thursday morning and he was um, he was really jamming in his role. I mean, it, things were moving along. He would give us time updates, as you heard in the video or as, as our listeners would have heard in the video, like. Uh, you'll be happy to know we're five minutes on early. You know, like we'd have, we'd have these. I think the first time he did that the, the, on Wednesday, we ended up losing an hour on some uh, some procedural thing at some point. But um, and and so you stood up to what what what, what kind of motion did you well, not motion? What what was your point? Point of what? Well, I, it was a point of inquiry, but I knew I was going to correct him and i wanted yes. to do it as gently as possible because fred and i are great friends and so i i, I said well point uh what did i say point of uh in, clarification uh, in, point clarification. of clarification yes and so you know fred couldn't resist like oh how about point of inquiry so you know my usual way i said yeah okay why not and and then he had to come back with and a book at your and a and a rules robert's rules for you and i'm like <laughs> "Ooh, okay i see I how this is got, going yeah so then I was going to be nice about it. So I just went in and I, I stayed at my point carefully and quietly. And Yeah, but hold on, hold on. So when he said that to you, uh, I mean, do you know Fred? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, like you guys know each other. You're on, so, yeah, because I think I think he probably wishes he didn't say that. Like, <laughs> then he had to, like, he had to apologize. Like, hey, I, you know, Bob, I, I know Bob, you know. Um, well, our personalities. So, I mean, I'm from Philadelphia, so I, you know. I'm like that was Philadelphia was twice voted the most hostile city in America, right? <laughs> and they went to interview the mayor was, was uh, Rendell at the time. Rendell was a 
I don't have a lot of respect for Rendell. In fact, he was the guy that, that was responsible for burning down a big part of the city when they tried oh. to break up the move movement. <clears throat> but but the funny thing was the magazine came in to interview him and they said, so, Mayor, your city was voted the you know, most hospital city in America well, two years in a row. Why is that? And he goes, what's it to you? <laughs> <laughs> so and Fred's like that, too. We're, we're kind of like that. So when Fred said it, I think we both took it the way he really meant it. But then there's, there's 2,000... 600 other people out there that have no idea that we know each other that well. And so he had to back up. That's why I think he backed up because he realized they don't know that we can do this all the time and it's no big deal. Right, right. So, so, yeah, and that's why, to... that's why I didn't say anything to him. I just went, ooh, you know, yeah, good you shot. Did, just right? like that. Yeah, good yeah. Shot. Yeah. So, so, what was you, what were you correct? What did you explain your point of, what was it, a point of inquiry? <laughs> so, he, <laughs> so what Fred said right before that, somebody had made a, um, what a, what a point of inquiry on <clears throat> if we voted down if we disagree with the um, overturge committee and they had answered it in the affirmative if we answered in the negative uh, or no, it's, yeah they answered in the negative if we answered it in the, in the affirmative you know what what happens I think that was it right so no he, he, no, he, 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 he said oh yeah, here you go so what happens if the floor rejects uh, the overturge committee to answer in the affirmative and Fred said, well, in that case, it would be recommitted. In fact, his exact words were, uh, he knows exactly how this is supposed to happen. <laughs> yeah, so if, it, if it's just confusing, don't worry. I know exactly how it's supposed to happen. Exactly how it's going to go. Does everyone understand that? That's, it's a little bit unusual. But the good news for you is I know exactly how it's supposed to happen. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's not how it goes. I, 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 you know, you see in the in the video, I have my Chromebook open in front of me. I've literally got it open to chapter fifteen of the REO, and I'm reading it. And I'm looking at it. And I'm going like, oh, that's not. I know that's not right. A number one, but B, it's not right here. So that's why I want to be gentle about it because you know there's a lot of stuff going on. Where there's a whole bunch of motions before that. Anyway, so I get up there to to make my point of inquiry. So I don't. I will testify now. I know that I know it's supposed to be a point of inquiry. I'm trying to be nice. And so I explained it the first time, and Fred disagreed with me again. And the, I always say this, the stated clerk's over there nodding his head up and down. I saw that. Yeah, and I'm like, what are they thinking? So rather than sit down and shut up, I went another round at it. And I got about three-quarters of the way through the second time. And I don't know if you noticed in the video, you can because it's cut differently, you see Sam Duncan walking away from Fred. I have a feeling Sam had walked up and said something to Fred's ear, and then Fred got it. And he was like, oh. Yeah. And then, then his famous quote, you are correct, I am wrong. And I was so <laughs> shocked. I was like, oh. Like, I know. <laughs> and it was right. somebody caught the picture right there, and the rest is history. Yeah, or they just screenshotted the video. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, it was a great picture because you the way you handled it was just it was hilarious. because, Especially because he gave you that zinger. And then he had to say he was that you were right. So, for listeners, what, the way this works is the overtures committee. Uh, and by the way, I had Steve Dowling on here. I think it was two episodes ago, and he okay. he explained a lot of this. But but the overture like overtures go up to the assembly to asking the denomination, the general assembly, to do something, either to change the mm -hmm. constitution or make a statement or whatever. It, it's If you want the denomination to do something, you send up an overture through the presbytery or a church or even an individual. Well, 
there's like 30 of them, so you, you can't have the assembly like debating and editing. So there's an overtures committee, and the overtures mm -hmm. committee deals with them and makes a recommendation. And there's multiple recommendations. Uh, the most common are uh, to affirm the overture, meaning do what the overture says, that's up, or to reject it, which is uh, down, oh. or what's the sideways one? Send it back to the overture for reconsideration. Right. Well, send it back to the, whoever originated it. It could be. No, no. You recommit it to overtures. You can't recommit it back to the, the no, overtures. No. Can recommit it back. Right. That's what I'm saying. The, the recommendation from overtures could be to refer it back to yes the prospect. So yes. what happens is, and this gets very confusing, especially for first time GA goers. Your vote on an overture might be the opposite of what you. If you're saying affirmative, it might actually be to negative. And the reason for that is you're not voting on the overture. You're voting on the overture committee's recommendation on the overture. That's correct. Right. So if the overtures committee... I don't want to get too convoluted on it. But the point is, what if you disagree... What, what is a, a disagree... A, a, a no vote on the overture committee recommendation mean that was the source of the discussion mm -hmm. between you and fred right right okay and so if the overtures committee votes to or recommends to affirm the overture and then we agree with that obviously the overture is is, is affirmed it's going to happen right. whatever is whatever it says wherever the whereas right or, or the therefore is but if the overtures committee says they want to affirm it and the assembly says disagrees with the overtures committee that's where the debate was um yeah if they're if they answer in the affirmative and we answer in the negative then with their recommendation right because what we're basically what we're doing is we're not rejecting the overture we're rejecting their recommendation for the overture then they got to go back and talk about it Right, because now we've rejected their recommendation. They don't have a recommendation anymore. Now they got to go back and no. Now it. you're now you're getting it backwards. Now you're getting it backwards. <laughs> you, you just did what you said Fred did. If oh, you're right. That's why I'm reading it here. You're right. That's exactly right. That's what I get for writing notes down. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I mean, say what he right say there. What Fred said. You're right, George. I'm wrong. Say it. <laughs> yeah. All right, George. You're right. I'm wrong. I, I fell into the Greco rut. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, but here's the funny thing, Bob. You are a ninja. You you used, an, you used or a Jedi, a Jedi mind trick on Fred because the truth is, he actually said it right. You said I'm going to play it for you. You said he said it wrong, and you said it right. By the mm -hmm. way, and you got him to admit that he said it wrong when he didn't say it wrong. No, he did actually say it wrong. You, all right, well, here, we're going we're gonna to play it. Let me yeah. see if I can share it. All right. All right. This is hilarious. All right, you can see that? Uh, yep, now I can. All right, I'm gonna, I am gonna. I don't know if you're going to be able to hear it too, too well, but maybe you will. One last point that I want to make sure everyone knows. If a recommendation comes from the Overtures Committee in the affirmative and you reject that recommendation, it will be considered that we have answered it in the negative. Did you hear that? Yeah. So what he just said was right. Yeah. No, no, I said, but he's not done yet. You go to the next part. If a that part's right. In the negative is rejected. It will be recommitted back to the overtures committee. So 
That's right also. No. <laughs> what do you mean no? All right, hang on. Let me bring up let me bring it up. I have it on my little computer here. Rule assembly operation. Chat article fifteen. I think it's fifteen eight. Present you present it to the uh, assembly. Here we go. Should a recommendation posing to answer an overture in the affirmative fail to be adopted, the overture shall be considered to have been answered in the negative. Should a recommendation proposing to answer to answer an overture in the negative fail to be adopted, the overture by that action will be recommitted to the overtures committee. Right. That was the paragraph I was working with. Right, and that's and that's what he said. So let's let's play again. I don't think that's what he said. Hold on, listen, listen. If a recommendation comes from the overtures committee in the affirmative and you reject that recommendation, it will be considered that we have answered it in the negative. If a recommendation in the negative is rejected, it will be recommitted back to the overtures committee. You see? Ooh, yeah. How about that? <laughs> but, but there was about five minutes between that explanation and when you stood up. But oh, and so, good. Oh, that that was earlier than I stood up. Then, yes, that was that was right before I stood up, was it? No. Yeah. So he said it right the first time. Then the second time he said it. Right before I stood up, he said it the reverse. Uh, I wonder. I wonder if I could find that. Hold on. There you are. There I am. The, there's your... Quiet bar shirt. Yes. One plus in my... Here we go. If the floor, the assembly, rejects the Overtures Committee recommendation, which is the answer in the affirmative, the ARIO specifies that that overture will be recommitted to the Overtures Committee. That's right. Okay, so he did. He did say it wrong that time. Yep. Yeah, he, and that's why I knew he just misspoke because he'd already said it right the first time. So I, that's why you caught me off guard when you said he said it right. I'm like, not right before I stood up, he didn't. Got, well, look, even even our discussion, we got it wrong, even though we know. Yeah, it's because I got this stupid piece of paper I was reading. In. I'm not reading that anymore. But I had well, written down the quote of what he said and what I said. So I, then I put right, the little right. summary above it, and I didn't do that as well right. as I could. Because when I was prepping for this, I just saw, I just discovered that like an hour ago. When I was prepping for this and I went to clip the video, I'm like, wait a minute. Fred said it right, but I thought he said it wrong. And then I said, man, you, you, you're like, you did a Jedi mind trick on him <laughs> because he, he kind of gave you a zinger. So then you made him think he was wrong when he was right so that he would say you're right. Yeah, Fred's not that easily influenced. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great moment. Fred was a great moderator, and was. Uh, that was just a, that was a fun moment overall. And and uh, it was a great shirt. That even that you wore a yellow shirt. I know it wasn't your dragon shirt or whatever you said, but oh, my Godzilla shirt. No, but it, but it was the brightest. That is the brightest uh, Guayabara shirt that I own. So that's that's why I wore it that day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, so so we covered a lot of serious stuff. Like first, what you know, the pictures that we get to see of you online in different shirts, and now how you you and Fred did battle. Uh, let's let's we can, uh, yeah, that was thirty minutes, by the way. So let let's get into like let, let's talk some GA stuff. So you are uh, you're a guy that every general assembly you have something to share. You you know your polity. You care about the church. You care about the assembly. You're involved. But let's talk that first, that we can talk to the assembly. Look, wh like, where did that kind of passion and heart come from? Because not every, I mean, there's thousands of people there. Not everybody stands up and talks. I mean, so. Well, no, I think, uh, 
I think our first GA was 34. And uh, that's the one that we start talking about the federal vision stuff. And I ended up, uh, Dominic Aquila was the uh, moderator. And uh, I, I was like, I didn't really understand the issue, to be honest with you. I mean, I, I didn't know that much about it. And so, but I was still on active duty at the time. And I was like, you know what? You know, I've been a commander a couple times. You know, I, I run these big offices in the Pentagon and stuff. I was like, I have a pretty good ability to, to sort out the wheat from the chaff. And so I went up to Dominic after the thing and I said, hey, you know, I, I wouldn't mind doing this. And he, he's like, well, why? I said, well, I told him the same thing. And he's like, okay, I'll think about it. Uh, so anyway, a couple weeks later, he called me back. And then, so I went up, you know, we did our stuff. I had the, that's where I met Ligon Duncan and John White and, and uh, Quiver uh, Gunn. And just a great bunch of folks. Really enjoyed them. Sean Lucas was on there. <clears throat> great bunch of folks. And uh, we came back. And so we got to, because we were the study committee, we got to sit up on the, on the dais, stage, whatever, and look out at the crowd and listen to the debate. And so I heard the debate. And I say anything i didn't have a speaking part in that which i was bob, fine bob, hold, hold on one second are you saying you were on the study committee for for federal vision yes oh i didn't know that okay yeah, yeah. keep going that, that's that, okay i may have questions about that but okay. god yeah that was a great experience i grover gunn and i worked together we, we split up into teams of two and uh, grover and i worked together a consummate southern gentleman just a great guy and and solid theological anyway so hmm. i'm watching the debate and i'm hearing a lot of emotional stuff a lot of ad hominem stuff uh logical fallacies and i'm like this is my second general assembly and i'm like aghast at what i'm hearing and 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 it seemed to me i mean i didn't know that a lot of the people at the time i, I learned about them later but some of them were pretty popular people amongst a group or whatever and those people you know got the cheers and stuff and and even if they said something that really was not material or material in the sense of it wasn't wasn't meaty, it was just some fluff that they came out with. And, uh, and it wasn't until to dear departed R.C. Sproul stood up and said, you know, if this is about the gospel. How can we even be debating this? And he was exactly right. Um, and that swayed everything. At that point, I couldn't tell you how the vote was going to go. Anyway, so we won the vote like 98 uh, percent in favor of the report, which was astounded me given the debate i just listened to for on almost two hours uh but but kind of after listening to that was like you know what <clears throat> the quality of the debate here is not what i expected to see at a national meeting of a denomination and you know i'm pretty uh quiet guy you know i don't talk much so uh you know i figured you know all the years in the military and and stuff I, I can do this as well as these people can do this so i took it on my own to study robert's rules to, to study the the um i got a little cheap sheet i like to use uh, parliamentary procedure uh bco read through the bco the rao um the uh my presbytery at the time uh sent me up to be i think it was a year that that second year uh to be the convener of the overtures committee the very first overtures committee because uh, i came oh. out of potomac presbytery dave coffin and a bunch of other people worked on it and set that up and uh so i got to be the first convener of it and that was that was interesting experience but it's also a learning experience for parliamentary procedure and all that kind of stuff and it just i just kind of came under conviction that your ordination as a ruling elder is to the church of jesus christ at large not just to your local church and that's i think the way most um ruling elders think about it is well yeah i'm a, a ruling elder here in this church and that's true but that's not everything that's true just like teaching elders you have a, a 
a calling to the larger church. And that includes presbytery, it includes the denomination. And so I've, I've tried to live that out uh, as best I could. I, I had some advantages, right? I, I make some decent money, so I can, I don't, churches don't pay for me to go to General Assembly. I paid it for myself to go. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I can't. And one of my okay. personal convictions is I, I don't like taking money from the church, period. You know, okay. I give money to the church. I don't take money from the church. That's not my thing. I, there's one exception to that. Billy Boyce talked me into doing it one year. It was a favor to him. And I like Billy, so I did it that one year. But that was it. Uh, so that's just one of my things. The other thing is, and I, I don't want to – this actually is an invitation. I, I don't let teaching elders pay for lunch, right? If I take somebody to lunch, teaching elder, you know, they're not paying. I'm paying. Uh, I just feel the Lord's gifted me in that way. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, that's great. So, but, but it's that conviction that we're, you know, we talk about the connectional church. The connectional is not just the courts of the church, just the commissioners in the church. And that includes the ruling elders from session to presbytery. You know, that's what unity of the courts is, right? It's the same elders at, at, the, at every level of the courts, the unity of the, mm. of the courts. I, I used to do the polity exam for Potomac in the credentials committee for years. Uh, and, and people always misunderstand what that means. So if there's, I mean, I'll think about it this way, ruling elders far outnumber teaching elders at the session level, right? But that's the last level that happens. Most presbyteries is probably 70, 30, 60, 40 at best. And then you get the General Assembly, and for years it was like 75, 25, 80, 20. Um, and that's just wrong. I mean, we need to be there, and the churches are responsible for getting them there, right? The, the individual churches should be covering the expense. They cover it for their teaching elders. They should be covering it for their, their ruling elders. And so that's, that's a very strong conviction that I have. And so I applaud more uh, coming in and giving scholarships to help the churches not every church can afford to do everything, and so I think Moore's doing a great job of stepping into that gap. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it is expensive, right? Like the hotels could be $1,000 a room. Yeah, uh, it, It's great that the ruling elder fee has been reduced uh, at this point. It's still, I think, $300 or something yeah. around there. And then you have flight, and then you guys have to take off if you're not mm – -hmm. if, if you're working. And so – um, but it is, but it is expensive. So more in the PCA is doing a great thing because you think, I mean, it's for a small, for a small church with a like a solo pastor, it could be, mm -hmm. it could be five thousand dollars out of a budget yeah. that they don't just have five thousand dollars to send, you know, three guys to it or whatever. And you know, at our church, we we have uh, three teaching elders, and um, we're, we're right below the the three fifty threshold, so we don't get a third ruling elder, but we. We're, we're close. I, I always want that. I'd love to send six people to GA, you know, but, uh, but we, um, we budget $10,000 a year for general mm -hmm. assembly because we got to send three pastors and at least two ruling elders. And, and I always open it up. I mean, I've only been here a few years, but I'm like, however many want to come, even though we can only get two commissioners at this point, mm -hmm. if you want to be there, you ought to be there. You know, there's so much to see and be a part of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great networking experience for ruling elders. I think to, to a large extent, and I think this is true, it's nothing against teaching elders, right? Some of my best friends are teaching elders. <laughs> but uh, but it's kind of a, a reunion week for for seminaries or whatever. You know, people went to yes. Covenant, they all get together. They have their own dinners. RTS has their own dinners. Greenville has theirs. Lunch. Um, I went to Greenville's this year. It was a very nice experience. Yeah, uh, it was. I was there too. Uh, but yeah. I wish we had said hi to each other. 
We were there. Yeah. Anyway. I, I um, didn't see the yellow shirt, so I, I didn't. Um, it was yeah, Thursday, you would have I seen it. Yeah, I was wearing yeah. it. Day. Yes, but they, uh, and I think there, there's a lot of truth in that, but it could be for ruling elders, too. I mean, I, I enjoy the ruling elders I see. I enjoy the teaching elders I see there. Uh, there's people I only get to see once a year. You know, I might see them on Facebook or, you know, on podcasts and stuff, but uh, it's nice to see people in person and have lunch with them. And uh, it's just, I, I think it could be that if we, if we made it that, and I think the problem is that people don't think of it that way, uh, and, and in the business of the church, you know, there are, and I think I said this in something on Facebook, the PCA was basically started mostly by ruling elders, and after about the third or fourth general assembly, you know, phew, takes a nosedive, and not not the domination, the the, the 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 ruling elder attendance. I don't know why, honestly, but you're right. You got to take a week of vacation. When I took this job that I have now. I negotiated an extra week in vacation as part of that taking that job so I could go to General Assembly. Oh, that's great. And, and if people could do that, or, you know, if you can't, if you don't know, try, right? If you, if you don't, you may, they may laugh in your face. It's not like nobody's ever laughed in my face before. Uh, but, but it's important, I think. It, and I know and we did it at Disney one year here in Orlando. That was, that was a disaster. Uh, and not just, not the General Assembly itself, but it was so expensive. I mean, Teaching elders, ruling elders. I mean, I, I was living in Arlington at the time, Arlington, Virginia, and and you pay seven, eight, nine dollars for a lunch there. You know, people coming from I don't name a place, someplace else, and they're used to paying three and four dollars for lunch. You know, that's a shock. And you bring, and the idea was to bring your families. Well, now I've got four or five mouths to feed. That was ridiculously expensive. Uh, I, I admire. The thinking that went behind that, to let's make this a vacation so you can take your family. Uh, but, you know, Disney probably is not the place to do that. You know, probably not. <laughs> well, we, we are, I think that we're running into, with the more and more people going to General Assembly and the size of the denomination, the, the ve- amount of venues and cities that could actually host us. I know we keep running into hotel issues uh, two years in a row now. And I don't know how much you can, you know, keep pinning on COVID or whatever, but... Um, <laughs> It is getting more difficult to just find the right place and that a place that's affordable because usually it's places that are not so affordable that can host the size of us. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask was, so you do, we do happen to see, because you're talking about the camaraderie about around ruling elders and uh, we do typically see the same ones at general assembly. And I, I love that because I love seeing the same guys, you know, but it, how do y'all manage that? Because most churches probably can only send two, and so you know what I'm you get what I'm getting at. Do I see the same like people get, every year? Well, like okay, so all the teaching elders can go, but ruling elders have to be commissioned by their session to go, right. and you only get two. I mean, right. you could get more if you're in a larger church, obviously. Yeah. But, so, like, is it just that there's when we see the same like yourself? How, how large is your session? It's uh, seven, counting the TEs, right? Counting TEs. So yeah. is it just some guys can't go, or so, or is it just known, well, we send Bob? I mean, how? No, I think, uh, well, yeah, I mean, when I was in Virginia, that was definitely the case. I, I went pretty much every year I was there, but I think it's a level of interest, right? I mean, so I cheat, you know, because I, I go on my own nickel. You know, that that's an easy that's a, that's a quick kill, right? Uh, but I think the level of interest. Uh, you know, I was the only one to go from uh, from Northside. The one guy, other guy that would have gone, I had a family engagement. He couldn't make it. 
But I think across the PCA at large, there's a subset of people who are dedicated to this kind of thing. They feel that this strongly that this is part of their calling, uh, and other people not so much. And that's the challenge in my mind is to get that sense of calling in more people. So maybe it isn't the same people going all the time. Uh, but even if it was the same people, that's fine as long as it's two from every session. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I guess that's I guess that's kind of some of the takeaway I would want for, for listeners. Like, I don't want ruling elders to feel bad if they don't go to GA, as long as their church is sending their compliment. Yeah. You know, we ought to be sending as many as we can to represent. Uh, but certainly, I would say ruling elders should be involved in, in presbytery because mm-hmm. there's more of those each year. And uh, you could always, even if you're not going to the, even if you're not commissioned to the meetings, like we have ruling elders, we always have a real extra ruling elders go here in Piedmont Triad from our church. And mm-hmm. and then I have ruling elders that, that sit on uh, different committees because there's, mm-hmm. you know, standing committees of the presbytery and they always need people. They always need ruling elders yep. on the committees. So, and, and it, yeah. it, really our Presbyterian form of government requires it because if you don't, then a handful of people are making all the decisions and it looks less and less like a representative thing and more and more like an oligarchy. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so I, I, so I just to tell you a story and I'm not going to get into details cause that'll get me in trouble, but <laughs> we had something happen in, in a presbytery and, um, that particular meeting, a bunch of ruling elders came that because the issue was so such a hot button that a bunch of people came that didn't normally come. And they came up to me afterwards and said, I had no idea. I thought we were in a safe presbytery and we didn't have to worry about this kind of stuff. And I was like, even if we were a safe presbytery, which I don't, maybe there are safe ones. I'm not sure about that. <clears throat> but without us, nothing's safe, right? I mean, it's, you got to have, you got to be involved. And so he said, well, I'm going to come to everyone from now on. I was like, well, good, but I'm sorry that it took this to get to that point. Uh, and I think the General Assembly is the same way. I think the reason we had such a large General Assembly last year, this year, and a little bit the year before, well, last three years, last three, top 30% of ruling elders, a total representation percentage. And I think it was because of the hot button issues. And I think that's good to get them out there. And now I hope that momentum, because, hey, they need me here. I need to keep coming. Uh, otherwise, you know, people that are louder are going to be more, rep- more, they're going to get their way and the the larger body of people are just getting dragged along. Um, and that's, and I've yeah. seen that. Yeah. I mean, it, I was thinking that too, even just a few minutes ago and you just really hit on it like that because I was a ruling elder before I was a teaching elder and, and I was in South Florida. Oh, they didn't hurt you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, and honestly, it, uh, I just thought, like you said, you know, we, we do the, we do the lo- the job of the local shepherding of the body were elected locally and all that and, and the pastors got it and this was before i guess it was in between hot button issues you know mm-hmm. and and it was a few years ago where i woke up i was like wait a minute you know what what is going on what are we actually discussing now and i think some of that some some of the controversy's gone with a notable church and, and, and you know with a notable group leaving but uh i hope that doesn't make confessional conservative representation wane in in the coming years just because we think it's all because it got there for a reason you know yeah and i pray not because i'll tell you what's the problem with that thinking and i know you know the same thing is that because 
the individual in that church left, we think, well, now it's safe because we don't have that problem anymore. But what about the people that were defending that and that voted with him and, and are to this day lambasting people saying, well, you drove out a good man? It's like, those people are still here. That one guy in his church that left. So I think uh, it's naive to say, well, the problem's gone away because he left. Well, what about all the people that enabled him? Uh, not just in that presbytery, but, but across the, the PCA. Now, there are a small number of people. I'm not saying there's like millions of them. But it only takes a small number of vocal people to have things go badly. So how do you feel about this last GA and the trajectory of the PCA and all that? I, I am heartened for a couple of reasons. Uh, and I actually wrote this in my report to the session. That you know, Number one, I thought, like you said, Fred did an awesome job. He is, I think, probably in the top two or three parliamentarians in the nomination uh, as far as, you know, because – Anyway, so he is. So, and he, he's uh, not shy. And so he's, he moved people along. He didn't let people, and I think it helped the people too, because nobody wants to sit on the floor of General Assembly and stammer, right? They want to, maybe they don't, I mean, that's part of the thing with ruling elders as well, as, at least speaking at GA, is, well, I don't know all the parliamentary procedure. Well, we can help that. There's, there's a booklet that came out this year, um, and, and there's, there's other helps I've been pointing people to. And Fred really helped those people, and I thought that was awesome. Uh, I think this is the – maybe you can correct me. I think this is the shortest General Assembly we've ever had, uh, at least in my time gone. I know. We uh, got out early on Thursday. We didn't yeah. – Never seen that before. Uh, so the second thing is I, I was heartened because you may or may not have noticed. I didn't speak as much this year as I normally do. And the number one reason for that, the only reason for that – is that you know when, when stuff comes up, I take notes. I want to say this. I want to say this. I want to say this. So I don't forget my points. And I write out some long. Some people write out long speeches. I haven't figured that out. I just write a couple of bullet points. You know, military guy. I write bullet points. Um, and then as people got up to speak, I start checking them off. And I was elated with the, the level of debate that I heard from people I'd never heard of before this year. Uh, I think it was it was well reasoned. Not not everyone, but. It was generally well-reasoned. People were saying what I was going to say, and then things I never thought of. And that just tells me that we're headed in the right direction if people keep doing that, right? That, that's the thing. Because the same old people that give the emotional arguments and logical fallacies, and all that, they're still there, and they're still doing that. Uh, and I don't expect that to change. But what I do expect to change is – the people like this year that stood up to speak for the first time. It takes a lot of courage to do that the first time you do it. A little bit of courage to do it the second time. And after the moderator slaps you, then I guess, yeah, I don't know, maybe it's start over again. But uh, So I, I think that's that's the second reason uh, that I'm hard. And the third reason is the worship. Uh, I'll be careful how I say this. There's been years when I didn't go to any worship service because I knew it was going to be the political talking points of the day. Right? People have set up the assembly – Whatever the topic of the year was, they're going to pick people who are going to speak favorably to whatever – I'll use this term because I think it was Tim Keller or uh, Brian Chappell that came up with this term, the progressive wing, right? The, and so I just didn't go because I, I don't need – you know, I'm not a young guy anymore. I don't need a heart attack. Um, this year, <laughs> the worship was outstanding, Yeah, absolutely outstanding. And I – again, I was like – that was awesome. Uh, I think I so. The last couple of years actually has been good. This year I think has been particularly good. Uh, and it's not to slam on any individual that may have preached in past years in, individually, but uh, I, I think uh, I think that that told me that 
that, yeah, confessionalism is still alive and well. We just need to work hard to keep it that way. Uh, because churches, I mean, you know, denominations go both ways. Um, and sometimes it's not linear, right? It's sometimes they go up for a while and they go down and they go back up again. Uh, that's why I see the TCA. We kind of went down for a while. Lost a lot of conservative people, which breaks my heart. People like Andy Webb, just to pick one. Andrew Barnes was another one. He was, he was even before that. Uh, over different issues but the point is if all those people were still here we'd be even stronger as a denomination uh unfortunately we've lost those and yeah. so we need to build that back up we need to find the next andy webb the next andrew barnes i, I just picked those two because i have no personally a bunch of other people uh and so yeah. we can't afford the losses so i when i talk to other ruling elders i'm like hey we need you because this year showed the last two years especially have shown how much we need you. This year shows what you can really do if you show up and participate. I think that's the difference this year. Mm. Yes. I also think teaching elders can help, uh, like, introduce their ruling elders, get them acquainted, help them. You know, like, we we, we, we only brought one this year, um, but we had two. The the other ruling elder that was supposed to come, his mother got in a terrible car accident days before GA. Uh, yeah, she's recouping, so that that's uh, just in case anyone was worried about that statement. But uh, but the point is, we would have brought two, but we had one. It was his first GA, and yeah, I just made sure I got him tickets to everything I was going to. I you know make because it's it, you can get lost in a sea at mm-hmm. this thing, and you know people want to be included, they want to be you know, mm-hmm. introduced and. Uh, before before you knew it, he had his own connections and relationships just over the week, and it was you know it was awesome. And I just think we can do that more uh, for for more guys for sure. Yeah, um, absolutely agree. Yeah. Also, I like that you you, ra- you raised you brought up about the the speeches on the floor. Ga yes, there's a lot of younger guys mm-hmm. that are stepping up and showing good leadership. They're articulate. I mean, if I got up. I, I've only ever got up twice. Last year, I got up to tell him the clickers. He's got to give us more time with the clickers. That's what I said. You know, yeah, I, don't I remember, remember that. How it, and, and, and that's what we needed. And people, I was yep. thanked for it. And then this, then this year, I got up and asked them. It was almost like we were going to move into these overture votes without the numbers of the mm-hmm. omnibus on the screen. And I got yeah. up and I, I bun, bungled the, if it was a point of inquiry or point of... Uh, <laughs> point of order or whatever it probably was a point of personal privilege because we needed to see what we were voting on no that was point of inquiry it's an inquiry point of privilege if people always get that wrong because people in the presbyteries don't really do it a point oh, no, of i know that yeah yeah it's Got basically it. the room's too cold i can't hear my clickers don't work those are points of privilege it's yeah, something yeah. That's, no, believe me i know i know it's not me getting up and saying i i want a point of personal privilege I really appreciate brother so and so over here. They make those speeches and pressers. I get that, but I was thinking if if I don't know what I'm voting on, but you're right, it's probably, but it's not an inquiry. I mean, I'm just saying, like, they had to put the overture numbers on the screen that were in the omnibus, like they did in previous years. So, what are you saying that was? What what kind of point That's was point I of trying inquiry. to you're saying inquiry. Yeah, point of inquiry? I'd Can like you? to see the things up there. Okay. Yeah. All right. There you go. I don't know. But Fred yeah. didn't give me a hard time. He didn't tell me I need my Robert's rules to, <laughs> to say that. He was saving that for me. <laughs> he saved it for somebody he could take it. I would have crawled into a hole. <laughs> uh, I, I guess I would have said that, that's that's fine. 
moderator Fred, but I still don't know what overture we're voting on. <laughs> Overtures we're voting on in the omnibus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, well, yeah. So, how many? Uh, the other. Uh, I was. I was. I was taking notes as you're when I would look away. It's because you said something that made me want to remember. How many churches have you been a ruling elder in? Uh, I think ever counted. Um, let's see. It's amazing four? to me. That you, I guess four. Yeah, and, I mean that, that's that's amazing. So I mean I, I've heard of guys that were ruling elder in two. I understand you travel around for military. That's not the point, but it, it's often to gain the the respect of the congregation for them to nominate you and put you up. Like what do you, when you go to a church, did you like just make your your interest known? Do you try to fly under the radar until somebody <laughs> figures something out? Like what's what's your it depends. I mean, if, if like when I was at New Life here before, I knew I was only going to be there for a couple of years, right? Three years at the most, um, the nature of that assignment. So, you know, I showed up when they were Mission Church, and I pitched. Wow. I mean, the thing is to pitch in right away. It's not, you know, I guess there's there's two ways you could, like, if somebody comes in and starts lobbying for it. That's wrong, in my opinion. Or somebody comes in and just starts pitching in. Make yourself useful. And then people get to know you. And they, they normally, well, that church was brand new, so they didn't have it. But other churches have like a year. You have to be there a year before they'll, a member for a year before they'll put you up for the session. Uh, so far, it's been six months average uh, that people, because just, you do stuff and people go, oh, hey, you're doing good stuff. You know, you're contributing. Uh, and it's, I think that's even with members. You know, when you get to a new church, you know, sit back for a week or two and see where the where the lie of the land, and then uh, then get involved, do something. You know, see where the needs are and, and just do something. Uh, so that that's just my philosophy. Is I you know military, you don't you don't sit around for. There, there, I, I've heard commanders say, "Well, you know, I, I take the first year of my command and and kind of see where things are, and then the second year usually get two years, three at the most, but two years is common." In the second year, I'll, I'll make the changes or whatever needs to be done. I'm like, you know, I, I sat through one staff meeting and I was like, okay, I'm not going to change everything, but we could be more effective if we did these things, right? Because if you only have two years and you wait a year, you've lost half the time you're going to be there right. uh, to contribute. And so in the church, you know, how long any of us have on this earth is, is unknown. But, you know, I'm not 20 anymore. Not, not that I was <laughs> any more likely at 20 for different reasons, perhaps. But, uh, you know, contribute while you're here. I mean, that's that's what God expects of us, right? To live holy and righteous lives. And part of that is, for officers, is contributing to the church wherever you are. But I'm happy to just contribute. And that, that's, I think, the ruling elder mentality that we want to foster. Teaching mm-hmm. elders, too, don't get me wrong, but usually you're called to a specific thing. Whereas ruling elders, we're just called to to do everything, I guess, that we can do. Well, and, they, and they pay us, you know, and it's yeah, sort of our guys, job. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Wow, you just want to help, though. That's you know, as a as a as I work with congregants, like you're talking about congregants, and and I, I often run into two kind of poles of of people. I mean, there's there's more than that, obviously, but like as far as volunteering, and, and some people, it's like, well, this in this phase of my life, my kids are in school. When they get out of school, I'm going to get involved, and there's all this, you know, it's just it, like when's the right like there's or there's the other person who's just obsessed with finding the very right thing and place to serve mm-hmm. it. And, and I'm like, well, I, we, we have some needs here. No, I don't feel called to that. We have some needs here. I don't feel... And it's just like waiting for the perfect opportunity. Meanwhile, there's opportunities everywhere that we need them, you know? Yeah. And so well, definitely the other thing too, them. With that first group, 
what kind of example is he setting for his kids? Yeah, oh, no, don't worry about totally. getting to the church until you have the time. That's right. Yeah, it's just yeah, totally. Yeah. So I love the heart to just want to jump in and where there's needs, and then and the Lord will put you where your gifts mm-hmm. fit. I mean, and 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 that I think that's what I'm getting from from your conversation, sort of under the scenes, because again, like you can go to a church. And it takes the church has to know you to nominate you. Like mm-hmm. you said, a year. Our church is really like three years. Um, that's just what it's been. So sometimes mm-hmm. we get somebody here that is just on fire and they're serving and they're all well. They've only been here a year. It's like you mean to tell me we got to wait two more years? <laughs> Why the Lord's using them? They're like, but um, you know, every church has their thing. So, mm-hmm. uh, but the fact of the matter is that it's so quick with you is because people saw, people recognized. You're an elder. Well, I think so. Um, it's also what the Lord wants, right? He says he ordains all that comes to pass. So it's, you know, it's, occasionally I get asked questions about my Air Force career. They go, well, how come How come you didn't make general? I go, well, because God didn't want me to be a general. If God wanted me to be a general, I'd be one. I, mean, I could pull, give you a whole bunch of Air Force reasons why, but the bottom line is God didn't want me to be one. So I'm not even, I don't look back to say what what happened. I'm going like, okay, Lord wants me to go do this now. So I'm going to go do this now. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's, it's just an attitude. I think there's an old, old. It, there's a Puritan book called the the Jewel of Christian Contentment. Uh, mm. Good book, uh, and that's you know we struggle with, you know, especially in my career. You want excellence, right? Because that's excellence is what gets this country ahead, what keeps us safe, keeps us free, and the church is what what keeps things moving along. At the same time, you you want to have a level of contentment where that's not my life goal to be you know the best whatever it is to be the best whatever but not for my purposes you know for god's glory to say hey look i'm a christian and i'm, I'm doing this how can you say i can't you can't be a christian and do that uh kind of thing so i, I think so there's that balance between contentment and excellence that i struggle with every day yes uh, but but it's a good thing to struggle with if you're struggling with what can i do to get by then that's the wrong struggle Right, right. Well, I think I think as part of that, the, the the big thing is contentment is not complacency, and some people act like it is. And so we should have like there should be a fire in us to want to further the kingdom. You know. Yeah. Well, Bob, this this is great. This is about our time. But if there's any if there's anything else you you had because I know you had your own sort of list. Is there any other comments or things you wanted to share with the listeners? No, I think. Uh... I think the biggest point I wanted to make today, we've we've already made, and that's the role of ruling elders across the denomination and the calling being to the church at large. Uh, but it's in the PCA, we need to get ruling elders uh, more heavily involved. Well, th- this was this was a great conversation. Okay, well, your big moment was you 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 challenged the moderator and you and you won. It was great. I joked jokingly after that. Session, I went up to him and said, "So we're still friends, right?" Uh, but but later we talked about it, and uh, I mean, we I, that's, that's not true. We didn't talk about it because we didn't have to. Uh, course, we just had a great time. Yeah, we no, just had a yeah, great time. It, it didn't seem. It, I mean, one thing that was nice about it was it didn't seem tense at all. No. So, uh, anyhow, Bob, thanks for being on here, well, and uh, we'll def- you're welcome. We'll definitely do it again. And for everybody, this is Presbyterian and Reformed Churchmen, and we hope we've encouraged ruling elders to be involved to be what the Lord has called them to be in the, in the power of the Spirit, of course. 